So this month we're going to talk about stretching and actually reaching the potential that God knows you have. So in Isaiah 54, 2, there's a part in there where it says, stretch your tent curtains out wide. Don't hold back. Let's read it. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. He says, stretch your tent curtains wide. You notice he doesn't say, he doesn't say get new curtains. He's insinuating that the curtains you already have can stretch farther out. How many of you have curtains on your windows at home? It's so weird. The first service, like four people, I'm like, are you, you guys are exhibitionists or something. You never pull a curtain shut? Maybe it's just me. It's like you got, give the neighbors a break. <laughs> so, you know, you bunch the curtains up to one side of the window or like spread them out, spread them apart, and they bunch up on either side of the window. But that's not the full capacity of the curtain. I mean, it looks great hanging there, but you can actually cover up the whole window with the curtain. That's what it's designed to do. And so Isaiah is painting a picture here of you have capacity that you're not actually tapping into. Like you can have a bigger tent. The obstacle to you having a bigger tent is taking the curtain you already have and stretching it farther. You don't need a new one. The curtain you currently have can be larger. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I don't have to trade myself in for a new one. If you're married, say, I'm glad I don't have to trade you in for a new one. You have more capacity than you're currently utilizing. Now, just so you know, I did do a little study on that whole, you're only using 10% of your brain. That's not true. That's just what they say. When they do a scan of your brain, all of it's firing. I think Einstein coined that to make himself sound smarter than everyone else. He was. And so his, his actual fallback was, I must be using more of my brain than everyone else is. But that's not true. You had great hopes that you could use more of your brain, didn't you? But there is capacity in us that's been untapped. It's called potential. The definition of potential is this. Latent qualities or abilities that may be developed and lead to future success or usefulness. That's good, isn't it? So here's, we're going to jump off into John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I believe there's always a tension between what we're currently doing and what we could be doing. What we're currently achieving and what we could be achieving. Amen? There's always that tension in our lives. We're going to talk about that today accomplishing stretching becoming all god has called us to be let's pray father we thank you god your word has a capability to change us it has a capability to stretch us today we pray that you do that make us into different people today cause us to run hard after what you've called us to do we thank you for it in jesus mighty name we pray it everyone said amen and amen now john 15 um, I had a I had an email conversation, and just to let you know, 
I'm not going to argue with you on email. You're right. I just hate doing that. I hate, argue, I don't argue over text message because I know uh, that I'm like 75% um, more likely to be misunderstood. And then if you can't even see my face, I'm at a, I'm in a net loss starting out. So I don't, I don't argue over text messages. I don't argue over emails. I just think, I just think there's too much risk to be misunderstood. But I did respond to a person not too long ago. They emailed I think they emailed the office, and they asked if I believed that you could lose your salvation. What a setup. <laughs> they asked me two questions. One of them was that. And so I emailed them back, and I said, um, well, I do believe you can walk away from God. I just don't believe it's as easy as everybody makes it out to be. And I'll say it like this. There was, there was a time. Anybody remember the word Backslide. Now, you could backslide in like 30 seconds. I, I remember growing up in church where you could backslide if you didn't come to church that morning. Like they, you missed two weeks, two weeks in a row, and it's like, oh, I don't know, they might, might be backslidden. They might have backslid right off, the, right off the Jesus boat. Like they might have backslid. And I always thought, I grew up in Michael Jack. Never mind. I was like, what are they talking? Are they talking about backslide? Like the backslide? Um, so... So anyway, I remember it being, I remember it being like, you could lose your salvation an instant. I remember thinking that way as a kid. I remember, and I've told you this before, I remember growing up in church, going to the altar every week, um, getting forgiveness as if I wasn't saved. I remember praying with a family member. At, at 20-some years old, he called me and said, um, it wasn't my dad, just, just, just clarify that. Called me and said, man, I need, I need you to help me pray. Uh, I, I asked God to save me. And I said, save you from what? I said, you're already saved. He said, yeah, but I really messed up. I said, well, you're already saved, though. Ask for forgiveness. But I grew up in a culture where if you messed up, you lost your salvation. So I, I reiterate this to the, in this email conversation. And I said, look, I believe that everyone has a f- fruitless season in their life at, at some point in time or another. Can I get an amen? amen? Like, you may not have. You may just be bunk, bumper crop every year, but there's been fruitless seasons in my life. Now, some of you are thinking, he's worked here 17 years. Which year was it? Because he's still got a check. I'm not going to tell you. So this, John 15 is often translated or often interpreted with the, with the focus on lopping people off and throwing them into the fire. If you don't remain in me and don't produce fruit, woof, the big sickle's coming, the big machete. Or as my African buddy says, machete. <laughs> Lop you off and throw you into the fire. And I, I, I was thinking, man, that would leave for a pretty, pretty small grapevine. Because we all understand that there's seasons in our lives that we don't produce much fruit, that we struggle. 
that we that we don't feel like we're accomplishing anything, that it, that it just doesn't seem, we've messed up, we've made mistakes, and it just seems like it's a fruitful season in our lives. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't judge you by snapshots? Wow. God doesn't decide whether you're going to still make it to heaven on 30 seconds of your life. He's patient with us, long-suffering. His grace and mercies are new every morning. And so he walks with us just like he did Adam and Eve. He walks with us and he walks us through failure, walks us through sin, and he forgives us. Yeah, we may suffer the consequences for it, but he doesn't just lop us off. I can remember growing up thinking if I couldn't get a hold of my parents and we lived beside my grandparents, I couldn't get a hold of them. I thought, well, the rapture happened. Me and my brother are here. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he wasn't going. I'm a little shocked about me. You like ring up everybody on the phone. There's nobody I know that's saved picking up the phone. And that was back before cell phones. So if they don't, you know. So picture this. Uh, Theologians aren't really sure where Jesus is giving this little little illustration about uh, grapevines, but. Some say he may have just been walking with the disciples and walked by a grapevine. Now, that would have been a very common thing for them to see. So Jesus uses the illustration. He said, hey, like, look at those great, look at that grapevine. Look at that vineyard. I'm the vine and you're the branch. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you remain in me, if you remain connected to me and I in you, if there's this connection relationship going on, then you'll bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. It's pretty emphatic, isn't it? It wasn't, you could bear a little bit of fruit. No, he said, without me, you can do nothing. But in me, you'll bear not just a little, but much fruit. So he's saying, as a branch over the lifespan of the branch, being connected to the vine can bear much fruit. Now, here's, what, here's where he says, a, a branch that doesn't bear any fruit will get lopped off and thrown into the fire. Now, it was always interpreted that that was hellfire. It might have just been that Jesus, that they all knew that things that didn't produce fruit over a period of time. Because a gardener never just walks up to a grapevine and goes, no fruit, whack, no fruit, whack. There's a, there's a consideration of what's the conditions. Is, there, is it too dirty? Uh, I've read before where young vines or young branches oftentimes have a tendency to grow down towards the ground. And the gardener has to come up and pick them up and clean them off and put them back up on the trellis. There's a process of evaluating whether this is a long-term fruitlessness or not. So, so he's saying, hey, you know, if it doesn't produce any fruit and it's detrimental to the vine, you're going to cut it off and throw it in the fire. Now, we've taken that in our modern day. I mean, hellfire. What Jesus painted a picture of is that the vine and the branches are an important relationship and without fruit, it doesn't benefit. There's no benefit there. And so you're not going to leave a branch on there that is sucking up the resources without producing any fruit. Man, that'd be silly. So he's saying, if you stay in me, it will be a fruitful experience for your life. 
I will provide all that you need. I'm the vine. I'm where the resources come from. I'm where the nutrients come from. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared that even when there's not enough rain, you'll get enough water. I'm the vine. You're the branch. So what's that got to do with stretching? Well, the funny part about potential and capacity is all that stuff is we tend to determine those things on our own. Don't we? You ever heard somebody, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. My contention is you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. Because what we do is we oftentimes look at our capability in the future because of our experience in the past. And so we oft, we, we always judge what we're capable of by what we've already done. So watch this. If you're someone who has struggled your whole life, maybe, maybe you've had more failures and successes, then you're going to tend to look forward with the idea that you cannot accomplish any more than you already have. And like, I'm not putting myself out there. I've had more broken relationships than I've had good ones, and I can't stretch any farther. I am not capable of doing this. It will not work. Now, if you're the rare person who has had more successes than failures, then your outlook on life is totally different. You're still using the past to determine what you're capable of in the future, but now you say, man, I've had success, success, a little failure, success, success. Oh, I can do this. But what you find in Scripture is you find a lot of people who don't believe they can accomplish what God has called them to accomplish because they're looking at their past and trying to calculate what they can accomplish in the future because nobody likes to plan to fail, do you? Nobody likes to stand up and go, I can do it, and then fall right on your face first day. So we, we tend to reserve ourselves. We tend to scrunch the tent curtain up. I don't want to pull it too far. It'll look ambitious. Or we give people like Peter, we talked about two weeks ago, we'll say he's, he's impetuous because he tried something that he hadn't done before. He had no history in it. Because we always look, oh, he's never walked on water. Why would he ever do that? Because we always come to the past to try to predict the future. Well, it was cold last year. I'm sure it'll be cold this year. And then if it's not, we're like, what happened? What happened? What happened? So we always look backwards and we say, that didn't work out. I'm not sure I'll do that again. So therefore, I'm not going to try to stretch into that area in the future. Man, that, I'll never start another business because the first one didn't work. I'll never get into another relationship because that one didn't work. I'll never trust anybody again because that didn't work. So we always adjust our capacity by what has happened to us. In investing terms, you've heard me say this before, it's called recency bias. Did anybody watch the stock market on Friday? The devil got into the stock market. It dropped 666 points. Get your food storage ready. It's happening. Actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. In 2017, the stock market went up 40%. I think it dropped a couple percentage points on Friday. Why are we freaking out again? I know it's 666. You should freak out. But, but recency, bias, <laughs> recency bias says the stock market just dropped. Now, now I have no potential in the future. When actually... What happened last year was it went up 
But I don't base my future off of that. I base it on the most recent failure. And so I look at God when he asks me to do something. I go, hey, you know what? I invested yesterday in that. didn't work. I'm not doing it tomorrow. And he says, but wait a second. My track record's better than that. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. My track record's spotless. So why are you judging your future capacity on your past experience? So we have to have a mindset of stretching, of growth. We have to have a mindset that God has more planned for us than what we realize and we have no ability to judge our capacity because you really don't know what you're capable of. Look at your neighbor and say, man, that's kind of scary. I'm really not sure what you're capable of. I'm going to be nice right now. Really not sure. There's more available to you than you're using. So Jesus looked at the disciples and he says, remain in me and you'll produce exponentially more than you can apart from me. So he says, you can, apart from me, you can produce nothing. With me, you can produce not just fruit, but much fruit. So there's a huge swing. He says, your capacity with me is unlimited. Your capacity without me is nothing. So we have to figure out how to develop a stretch mentality. So how do I take a curtain that Isaiah was talking about and how do I take it from what the way I'm currently using it and stretch it out to make my tent bigger? How can I take what I what God has currently given me and stretching it out? So we always determine future capability by examining our past performances. Now watch this, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. Now Jeremiah is not in an exclusive in this club. There's a lot of other people in the Bible that have responded to God the same way. So what happens is, if you go all the way back to the book of Exodus, Moses is on the backside of the desert. We've talked about this here. And he's been herding sheep, his father-in-law's sheep, for the last 40 years or so. And he walks across, he comes across a bush in the bush, as Africans would say, in the bush. And uh, he sees that it's being burned but not being consumed he walks over because it's a novelty he's trying to figure out what's going on and he hears a voice saying take off your shoes the ground you're standing on is holy god walks through a process with him trying to convince him that he has prepared him in advance to do this thing to lead the children of israel out of egypt and what does moses say i can't do it his last 40 years experience have not been of ones of great success. So he's judging his future capability on what he has done up to this point. God says, I picked you out of everybody to make this happen. Here's a couple signs to prove. And he goes, nope. Nope, I can't do it. Fast forward to Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That would be spooky. Oh, wait a second. You've seen everything? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Could you imagine hearing that for the first time? Could you imagine hearing God say to you for the first time, I picked you out of everyone before you were even born. I put a, I put a calling on your life to speak to the nations. What? Are you talking to me? The ironic thing is he has the same exact response Moses had the same exact response he says alas sovereign lord that's a little different who says that (laughs) alas sovereign lord I said I do not know how to speak I am too young 
<laughs> Is that the most insane response you've ever heard to? I picked you out before the foundation. I picked you out before you were born to do exactly what I've called you to do. And he goes, nope, I can't do that. I'm too young. How many times in a day do you do that to God? You feel the Holy Spirit in you and you go, nope, I can't do that. He says, but I knew you before you were born. I set this day up for you. No, you must be mistaken. I know you just called me a prophet, but I can't even talk. I'm so young, I don't even know what I'm saying. I can't do this. I can't do this. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. It's like God didn't know his age. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Now, could you imagine Jeremiah going back to his parents? Said, hey, God just talked to me today. They're like, okay, what did he say? He said he knew me before I was born. Okay, if we accept that, then what did he say? Well, he said that I was going to be a prophet to the nations. Oh, really? And he said he'd rescue me. From what? From what? So all of a sudden, sudden, Jeremiah's life is interrupted. God says, I've been planning this forever. And you're going to speak to the nations. And I'm going to be with you. And I'll support you. If you're in the vine... You'll produce much fruit. If you stay connected to me, you won't have to worry because I'll rescue from anything that is danger to you. Don't worry. I've called you to do this from before you were born. I knew you and I set this up. And so if you stay in me and I in you, all that you need will be provided for you to do all that I've called you to do. And so we, we go to Jeremiah and he says, I can't do it. God says, I, you're perfect for it. I set you up. Capacity. We judge by by what our experience has been, we try, to, we try to judge our capacity in the future by what we've done in the past. And God says, I knew you before the past even started. So I set all this stuff up. We only know what we have done, not what we can do. I think that should be the scariest thing for the church, judging what we're capable of and what we've already done. How foolish is that? A God that can do it exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think or imagine. That there is no limit with him. There's nothing impossible with him. He can do everything. Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah. I can't believe that I can do this because I've never done it before. I don't, I don't think I'm capable of it. In, in every situation, God said, I've called you out for this purpose. You have to trust the one who created you to do what he's asking you to do. Ephesians 2.10. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, we were at the Museum of the Bible last Saturday. And Evans uh, was with us. And they have a, they have a library there of um, Bibles. And it's fascinating that they have all the Bibles, copies of all the Bibles that have been translated into different languages. So they have, I'm guessing they're shooting for every language in the world they have represented in this library in the form of a book. The, book the, ones, the languages are already translated into a Bible. They have that Bible there. So you have sections where the whole Bible's been translated, the New Testament's been translated. Then they have a giant section where it's just 
all yellow books in progress. That means they're currently translating. And then they have a giant section, which is languages that haven't even started to be processed yet. So we try to find the Swahili Bible. So we're digging through, digging through. They're in alphabetical order, but not the way I would do it. Does that make sense? It's like rows of things, and I'm like, why didn't they just go A's all the way across and start with B, and it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. I'm like, I can't figure it out. So we get the Swahili Bible. It opens up. He said, Chris, what's your favorite verse? I said, Ephesians 2.10. So he reads it in Swahili. I'm like, amen, brother. <laughs> and he gives me the book. He said, you read in Swahili. The beautiful thing about Swahili is that it's sounded out just like it spells. They don't trick you like Americans do, like the English with these silent things and things that don't sound like what they look like. So I read it. Revival broke out right there, the sound of my voice. Now it did. I started thinking, we are God's workmanship. I think the NIV says handiwork. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Okay, so he gave you a capacity. You can put that scripture up so they can see it. He gave you a capacity that you don't yet know about. He created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which here's the kicker, which he prepared in advance. So we're over here complaining about our capacity because of our experience in the past. And God said, I set you up from the beginning to be able to do this. So Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, all these people that were complaining that I don't have what it takes. He said, I created you for this reason. I created these works in advance for you to accomplish. So what's the deal? The deal is not that I don't believe in you. It's that you don't believe. He said, I actually created you with enough resources. If you stay in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. He said, I created you from the beginning of the foundations of the world. Before you were even thought of, I planned on you to accomplish these things. And yet we have these pointless arguments with God about like, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. It hadn't worked out in the past. He's like... I set this up before the past. I set this up before you were disagreeing with me. I already set it up. And I already set it up that you would have enough to do what I called you to do. Mm. We just don't believe it, do we? If I step out, I'm not sure that there'll be support. We talked about that two weeks ago. Now watch this. Here's a couple things that you have to be weary about. Leery about. Not weary. You can't let people who are not hooked into the vine give you advice about the vine. Did you hear that? We take advice on the trajectory of our lives from people who are not connected to the vine. And so we say, you know what? God's called me to do X. And they go, ooh, I don't think I do that. Man, you know the last guy that went on a mission trip got his head cut off. No, we didn't. But that's the last movie they saw. Oh, the last. Or God's called me to give this away. What are you doing? You can't do that. And so we end up taking advice from people who are disconnected from the vine bearing no fruit, giving us advice on how to bear fruit. 
which makes no sense whatsoever. It may be a family member, maybe a coworker, maybe a boss, maybe somebody speaking in your life going, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Look at them and say, God planned before you were born for me to do that. And he knew that you would be coming here saying this garbage to me, so he prepared me in advance. My preacher told me not to listen to you. That's what he did. This week, he told me, don't listen to you. Now, don't say that to your boss. You can be like, I got you. I know where it's coming from. We let all these outside influences, things that aren't connected to the vine, tell us how to use the resources of the vine. Tell us whether to take advantage of it or not. Tell us whether it's what God's called us to do or not. If, you, if God shows up in front of you like a Moses or Gideon or Jeremiah and says, I plan for you to do this part, we should just go, yep, I was expecting the phone call. Because what happens is we argue with God. And then in the case of Moses, you got to get people involved that he didn't plan on being involved at the beginning. Aaron. Then you get a golden calf, and you all know how that worked out. So what I want to convince you of this morning is that there's more in you than you're utilizing. I know, I know, I know how much, you know how much you're capable of. I know, I've heard it. I know what I'm capable of. My contention is you don't. And that God planned on using you more than you're letting him. He said, stretch your curtain out wide. Don't hold back. If it was an easy stretch, he wouldn't have put that second part in there. I started thinking about this. I started thinking, why did he say don't hold back? Because we have a tendency only to pull to our comfort zone. It's like, I'm going to pull a little bit and I feel like this is my capacity. I'm not pulling any farther than that. I'm just going to pull a little bit and I'm going to stay there. I'm going to pull a little bit. And he's saying, don't hold back. Keep pulling. Stretch it all the way out. Full capacity. Keep pulling and stretch it all the way out. I want to illustrate this one more way. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. It says, going, from, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus had just got rung up for eating the wrong thing on the wrong day. It was something like that. And and so now he goes into the synagogue and they're like, oh, we're going to catch him now. We got a guy with a withered hand here. We know he heals everybody he comes in contact with. Don't you love people that know more than you do all the time? Well, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, oh great teacher? Jesus punk slaps him in front of everybody. He says, you know what? Here's the reality. If you had a sheep that fell into a ditch, you'd go get him no matter what day it was. You'd go get him no matter what day it was. Stop talking about rules. I came here to heal heal people and set people free. Stop stop trying to burden me down with with what you do and you won't let me do. So he says, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of it and lift it out? Almost like this is common sense. Why are you hassling me? There's a guy here with a withered hand. Now I want you to think about this. The guy with the withered hand, his experience is the withered hand. He knows his current capacity for this hand. He knows 
that he can't do very much with it. He knows that it's, he's not capable. He knows that in and of himself that the hand is pretty much useless. Yeah, he might have found some workarounds, but it's not a full, functioning, healthy hand. It's withered. Imagine him sitting there in front of everybody. He's all of a sudden the topic of conversation. He's like, whoa, they're talking about me. They're asking Jesus if it's legal to heal me on this day. Jesus talking about sheep. This is fun. Got to remember, though, he's still with the hand. Shriveled up. But then Jesus asks him to do something. He says this. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? You know, I could picture the Pharisees looking at each other like, well, I mean, have we made a decision on that? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe we could talk about the actual value of a person over a sheep because certain circumstances, I mean, sheep are really valuable. So if that's the way we need to come to a conclusion of whether he can heal him or not on the Sabbath, we need to make a decision about the value of sheep and people. Jesus is like, is a person more valuable than a sheep? Therefore, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, we rarely look into the, to the way humans function when we read Scripture. So when we read that, we go, Jesus said, stretch out his hand. The guy went, wow, it worked. Put yourself in that position. I'm sitting in front of a bunch of Pharisees who know the law inside and out. They've just challenged Jesus on the very idea of healing me. Jesus looks at me in front of all of them and says, stretch out your hand. I don't know about you, but I'm a little nervous right now. All I know is this. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I want to go through the pain of stretching it out and maybe not it being healed. I don't know if I want to go through the whole deal because all I know is this. This is my history. This is what I've dealt with. This is what I've worked around. This is what I've, this is what I've had to live with. This is what people have looked at. This is how they identified me. I'm the man with the withered hand. This is my whole, I don't look in the future of having great capacity with this hand. Now you're asking me to stretch it out. That's our lives, isn't it? We walk around with this withered version of what Jesus intended us to live. And we just walk around with the pain and the suffering. And we do workarounds in our life. We don't get close to people because it hurts more. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not more generous because it's more difficult. We're not, we're not talking to people about Christ because we're not really sure he's going to fix what's in our lives. So we walk around with this handicap like this. Our whole lives, Jesus stands in front of us and says, for everybody to see, why don't you stretch that out? And we go, (laughs) I mean, you're serious in front of everybody? You want me to stretch it out? (laughs) Could you imagine? Now we read it, we're just like, oh, he just stretched it out. What a big deal. I can imagine the panic that set in in that guy of thinking, here it goes. Here it goes. (laughs) It worked. It worked. It worked. 
Now watch. Just like a couple weeks ago, we talked about jumping out of the boat cannonball style. When you're starting to feel out the capacity that God actually has placed in you, it looks a lot like that sometimes. Lord, all my history, all my past. You see, God knows what it's like to be humiliated. And when you've seen the pretty little paintings of Jesus on the cross all robed up, barely bleeding, it says he hung on the cross naked for the whole place to get to, to, to watch. Beaten beyond recognition. But that didn't keep him away. He didn't say, Father, they seen me naked. No, he said, I know what shame looks like. But I know there's more capacity out of that shame than you realize. I, I, know, what, I know what failure looks like. I've experienced everything you've experienced. I know what it all feels like. I know what it all looks like. But what I'm asking you to do is stretch out because there's more capacity in you than you're utilizing right now. You're walking around with the wound. You're walking around hurt. You're walking around. You're walking around not bearing fruit. And I'm not going to leave you like that. You're hooked to the vine and I'm going to prune you and I'm going to do whatever it takes because in me, you have to bear fruit. And so what I want you to do is I want you to stretch it out farther than you've ever stretched it before. And let me do the work in you. Let me heal you in the process of stretching. Let me increase you in the process of stretching. Let me, let me do a work in you they didn't expect because I planned on you accomplishing this before you were born. I already planned on you to be whole. I already planned on you to have all the resources you need. I already planned on you to, to accomplish more than you ever dreamed of. I planned on it. So pick up that withered hand and stretch it out in front of these idiots. And that's what he did, stretched it out. And Jesus said, what now? I healed him on the Sabbath. And so what I want to say to you this morning is you don't have to sit back wondering if he's called you to accomplish something. He has. You don't have to sit back wondering if he's going to provide for that which he called you to accomplish. He already has. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, then you'll produce much fruit. I'll give you everything you need through the vine to do all that I've called you to do. So your capacity is what he says it is. If he's called you to do something beyond your imagination, he already planned for you to do it. If he's called you to do something that's beyond your comfort point, he's already planned for you to do it. So he's already set everything in motion for you to accomplish all that he's called you to accomplish. Stretch it all the way out. Don't hold back. Stretch it and then stretch it some more and then stretch it some more and watch what he can do through you. Don't walk around with a withered life. Stretch it out towards him and let him touch you. Let him provide. Let him do all that he is he is set up for you to do. Let him start it this morning. How about that? Come on, let's stand this morning. Father, I pray for everyone in here. God, that's holding on to a hand that's not working. We've made excuses of why we can't stretch. We've made excuses why our tents are so small. Lord, we've made excuses why we're not accomplishing all that you've called us to. And God, we believe today that you are providing in abundance for all that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that there's withered hands that are stretched out this morning. I pray that there's withered spirits that are stretched out this morning. I pray that there's withered mindsets 
that are stretched out this morning and we finally become a church that says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that there is nothing that we cannot accomplish in your power, with your resources and your love. We will go wherever you call us and we will do whatever you call us to do. You Lord, you planned on it since the beginning. Give us the faith to walk in it. Give us the faith to become all you've called us to be. Help us to stretch out this morning in your grace and your mercy. We thank you for it. We give you honor, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, could you give him praise and honor one more time? He's good.